From WSHU Public Radio, this is Capitol Avenue. Will members take your seats in the chamber so we can get started with our session today? I'm Ebong Udama, WSHU senior political reporter. In this podcast, I try to make sense of local and national politics and events by talking to the people who were directly involved. In this episode, we listen to two lawmakers who played a role in passing Connecticut's sweeping new police accountability law that would allow civil lawsuits against police officers accused of crimes while on duty. One is Judiciary Committee Chair Gary Winfield. He's a 46-year-old African-American. The other is Senate President Martin Looney. He's a 72-year-old Irish-American. Both had separate experiences as teenagers that helped shape their views on this issue and sparked the passion in their fight to pass the bill. They shared their stories during a marathon all-night Senate debate on the bill. Winfield is a longtime community activist who joined the State General Assembly in 2009. He says what got him into activism as a teenager was a PBS documentary series on the civil rights movement called Eyes on the Prize. And part of what's part of my soul is uh, the music that starts off the show. Um, and I put up a post on Facebook, uh, I think it was th- this morning, and there's a part of it that I did not know would become part of my life in the way that it has, but it's, know the one thing I did right was the day I started to fight. Keep your eyes tired of holding on. We talk about people who existed in this country who were enslaved and those people that ran away. You know what they ran away for? They didn't run away for civil rights. They ran away for liberation. That's what this work is. This is liberation work. This is not about the process. The process is change. We can change the process anytime we want to. The process is change. You know what substantively doesn't change? What it is to be black in this country. Think about that. Yeah, sure, I wear a suit today, I don't wear it, but it doesn't really change. We're still not at liberation. And so I think about my mother. I also think about a woman who's been outside all day waiting for us to do what she has been hoping we would do here. And the work of her life too. Ms. Barbara Fair, who's a mother to the community. And I think of the number of years she's put into this. When I think about what she's put into this and what I put into this, no matter what we do here, there are things that can't be fixed. Senate President Looney has been a member of the chamber for the past 27 years. He reflected on an experience he had as a teenager in the Fairhaven neighborhood of New Haven. He says it helped shape his legal and legislative philosophy. There was a a drugstore with a soda fountain that was a hangout for the local teenagers. None of us had cars at the time, so we'd walk up there on summer evenings uh, and hang out for a while. So uh, one night, my best friend and I walked up there and had some ice cream, and as we were walking home, 
All of a sudden, when we were on Blatchley Avenue approaching Exchange Street, a large black car pulled up on a driveway just in front of us and blocked our path. And an elderly black minister got out of the car and said, you two boys just firebombed my church. And you were seen leaving the scene, and I know it's you, and I've already called the police. Don't try to deny it. And he said, one of, uh, one of my congregants saw these two kids. They were both uh, uh, white, dark-haired teenagers, had dark hair at the time. Uh, one of them was wearing jeans and a shirt with a collar, and that pretty much described me. Uh, the other was wearing Bermuda shorts and a T-shirt, and that described my friend. So he said, I've already called the police. Don't try to run away. I know you did it. You were seen. And at that point, a, a police cruiser pulled up, and a white police sergeant got out of the car asked what's going on here. And the minister turned to him and said, I demand that you arrest these two boys. They firebombed my church. And they were seen, and they got their description, and I demand that you arrest them right now. Without acknowledging anything that the minister had said, the officer turned to us and said, well, uh, what do you say? And we said, we did nothing of the kind. We were just uh, walking up to the, uh, the drugstore on Grand Avenue. We never were on Poplar Street at all. And the minister kept saying, I demand that you arrest them. I demand that you arrest them. They firebombed my church. The sergeant turned to, to the minister at this point and said, you shut up. Don't interrupt me. I'm in control here. And if you keep interrupting me, I'm going to arrest you for interfering and for breach of peace. So then he talked to the two of us again, asked us our names. Didn't ask us for any ID, just our names, our addresses, our telephone numbers. We were at the corner of Exchange and Blatchley. There was a man, a Mr. McNamara, who was sitting on his porch, saw the whole thing and heard the whole thing. He got up and he said, uh, you know, Sergeant, uh, I can vouch for these two young men. They're both active as volunteers at St. Rose Church. Uh, they were both altar boys there. I know they would never do any such thing. At that point then, when the uh, officer had, had taken our information, the minister said again, well, what are you going to do? They have firebombed my church tonight. The report is that they have fired M-80s and, and rockets and other fireworks into our church as services were, were going on, putting people at risk. And uh, at that point, the, the sergeant just said, I warned you before not to interrupt me, not to speak unless I ask you a question. And if you'd say one more word, you're the one that's going to be handcuffed and going to be taken downtown in this police car. And at that point, the minister got back into the car. My friend and I walked away. We went home terribly shaken by the experience, as you might imagine, not knowing uh, what to do or say. But at that, within about an hour later, I got a call that probably gave me the greatest relief I've ever had in my life, that uh, my friend's father had called the police department. He had made a contact there and was told that the same two kids had come back to the church and done it again probably at the very same time that, that uh, we were being stopped. And this time, they were caught by a couple of members of the congregation and were held for the police. And again, and one of them had jeans and a, and a collared shirt, and the other had Bermuda shorts and a T-shirt. The, the officer who my friend's father spoke with said, you know, the boys are in the clear. Don't worry about it. Have a good night. But I knew from that night that the fact that I was white and the fact that my friend was white made all the difference in the world as to how that encounter went down, how we were treated, and how the clergyman was treated. And we instantly knew, and we still talk about it now, over 50 years later, that if two young black teenagers had thrown fireworks into the vestibule 
of St. Rose Church in Fairhaven or St. Francis Church, the two Catholic parishes that were attended by the large population of the community at that time. Uh, and if somebody had reported a description of two black teenagers, and if one of the Catholic priests who were assigned to St. Francis or St. Rose had got in his car and drove around and spotted uh, two black teenagers walking on Blatchley Avenue, everything would have been very different. I am absolutely certain that the police sergeant would have been respectful of that white Catholic priest. He would not have been treated the way the black minister was treated. And I'm also sure that we would have been arrested and uh, taken downtown, and uh, especially since there was a description that did in fact reflect what we were wearing. And uh, God knows what would have happened there, but clearly uh, it would have been a, a much more painful and distressing experience than it turned out to be, and it was bad enough as it was, we were so shaken. So that encounter that night uh, has really has been in the back of my mind ever since over the 35 years as an attorney whenever I represented a, a black client who was a defendant in a criminal case, wondering what the actual circumstances were at the time of his arrest and what the, uh, what the attitudes of the officers were, what the presumptions of the officers were, what the hidden or overt prejudices of the officers may have been. That's how the two men who played such a pivotal role in the passage of Connecticut's new police accountability law described why they were so dogged in ensuring that legislative action was taken in response to the national uprising against police abuse that followed the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. For Capitol Avenue, I'm Ebong Udama.